Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. I am attorney Sean Bigley. I'm here with Lindy Kaiser from clearancejobs.com. And we're talking this segment about ODNI's recent change in marijuana policy. And if in fact, it is a change at all. Lindy, I know this has generated quite a bit of interest on clearancejobs.com and on clearancejobs blog. What is your general sense of people's impression of this memorandum? Well, yeah, I think when we were one of the first outlets to publish it, thank you for your help with that, Sean, in terms of like helping us provide the insight on that. But it was interesting, the marijuana publications covered it. So we got some feedback from them, but I don't think across the board, I think Odie and I was actually surprised that they didn't get more feedback or attention on the memo. I thought it was pretty significant, but just because it's always, it's been such a policy gray area because it had the three prongs of addressing drug use prior to applying for a security clearance. They also addressed CBD products and they addressed investment in marijuana stocks, which are three hot topic issues that we get a ton of questions on. So for me, it's nice for a clearance applicant or holder standpoint that you at least now have guidance around it. I guess maybe it didn't get more attention because it's not so much different than kind of the common sense advice folks like you have been providing to applicants for a while now. But yeah, I don't think there was as much interest in it. Maybe can you speak to that? Do you think it's a, it represents a policy shift at all? Or were you surprised by anything in the memo? I, I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, first of all, there was a lot of interest from folks, as you said, in the marijuana industry when this came out with the assumption that this was going to be heralding some big new shift in policy. And I think once people actually read it, there was a lot of that sort of, you know, womp womp (laughs) kind of a reaction um, because really it didn't change a lot. What it did do was sort of, as you said, clarify or put into writing a lot of the common sense advice that people had already been getting from their security officers, from legal counsel, et cetera, because this was such a gray area in some of these issues, particularly with CBD oil. And we can talk more about that in a second. But one of the things that I did think was helpful with this memo, the language that was included, how past marijuana use is a relevant factor in adjudications, but shouldn't be outcome determinative. Now, theoretically, that's always been the case, right? Like anybody who's familiar with how the security clearance process works, and particularly adjudications understands that if you're applying for a clearance, you are supposed to be evaluated from a whole person perspective. So the mere fact that you previously used marijuana isn't inherently disqualifying. It's not, you know, an automatic No, it's supposed to be evaluated on a case by case basis. And one of the biggest mitigating factors is often the passage of time without use. So traditionally, somebody who's used within the last 12 months, that's kind of a non-starter. There is a, a legal provision called the bond amendment that says you can't be a current user of illegal drugs and have a clearance. And so this is sort of one of the, the very few black and white areas in security clearance law. The government has interpreted that term current user to mean anyone who's used within the last 12 months. So as long as you've got that 12 months of abstinence under your belt, anything beyond that has typically been viewed as icing on the cake. It's helpful There are obviously outliers. We get people who use marijuana for 20 years and then they have 12 months of abstinence and they're like, hey, ready for my clearance. And the government's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not entirely convinced that you actually are doing what you're saying in terms of abstinence. We want to see some more time. 
beyond that, you know, the, the run of the mill marijuana cases, a lot of times, you know, people would call us and say, geez, I, I used marijuana 18 months ago. Can I even apply for a clearance or is this, you know, a guaranteed denial? And so we would have to explain, no, 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 it's assessed on a case by case basis. This is helpful because we can now have something to point to that says, you know, no, it is not outcome determinative in and of itself. There are other factors that need to be taken into consideration. And there are some agencies in particular that have taken a pretty hard line on past marijuana use. So we've already started using this memo in some of our cases, you know, where we've pointed to and said, hey, you know, you guys need to reevaluate your approach when you're assessing recency. You know, that's I'm I'm glad you brought up that point because that was definitely a question that I had in terms of have we seen this? Because that's the biggest question I have gotten is, okay, that sounds great, but what is to stop, you know, three-letter agencies in particular who have their own stringent suitability guidelines from continuing to say, you know, we want that 12-month period of time. And I think my thought is there's certainly nothing that prohibits an individual agency from layering their own suitability. But if that does result in a clearance denial, you do have good grounds to go back. And if that was the sole justification used, I think have a pretty decent chance. I think we see it take time for these kind of policies to cycle through where you are going to have denials and revocations maybe that now have better legs for approval based on the policy. Absolutely. And I I guess, you know, I I should be clear here. I mean, what the memo doesn't do is it doesn't change the bond amendment. It doesn't override that. So if you have used illegal drugs within the last 12 months, you are going to be in for an uphill battle for getting a clearance because they're going to sort of default to the assessment that you're a current user. If you've used in the last 12 months, even marijuana, and you're applying for a clearance or considering applying for a clearance, you really ought to wait until you at least hit that one year mark. That's kind of a magic, you know, number in terms of abstinence time period. Anything after that then becomes kind of the gray area that has to be assessed on a case by case basis. But within the last 12 months, if you've used, that's going to be a very, very tough sell. You brought up suitability. And that's sort of another layer to the onion here. And I think it's worth noting also that this memo comes on the heels of a Biden administration memo that was put out earlier last year that revised and clarified the suitability criteria for marijuana use in particular. And so that memorandum applied only to suitability determinations. It explicitly did not apply to security clearance determinations. And that memo said, if you are evaluating somebody for suitability, which our listeners you know, need to understand is, is different than a security clearance adjudication. There's two sort of tracks if you're applying for federal employment that you're evaluated under. One is suitability and one is security. And I realize this is a lot of semantics and people may be sort of scratching their heads going, you know, what's the difference? The reality is in cases of drug use, for example, there really isn't a lot of difference. The criteria are similar the processes are different. And depending on whether you need a security clearance for the job that you're applying for or not, you could be evaluated just under the suitability standards or both. And so you always have to go into these applications with sort of the both sides of the equation that you're considering. And I I realize, I mean, again, this is like, you know, makes people's eyes glaze over this. This is sort of an archaic relic of the federal hiring process that a lot of people have argued should be reformed. But nonetheless, we're stuck with it for now. So bottom line is, when it comes to recency of marijuana use, 
if you're only being evaluated for suitability, there is more flexibility in terms of recency. When it comes to security clearances, there's still that one year window that you have to get outside of since the last use. And then anything beyond that, this memorandum coupled with existing policy requires that it be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. I mean, how many times do I have to say clearance process, clear as mud? That's my tagline. That's my SDI sub tagline. But (laughs) CBD products, I mean, I think that's worth addressing too, because I do feel like we have not had any policy. We've had the policy that they really, this is not really any different than what I've heard so far, which is buyer beware. But they're basically saying if you use a CBD product and you test positive on a drug test, you're probably going to lose your clearance. Yeah. I mean, uh, another real touchy issue. And I I just want to caution our listeners, this is not open season for CBD oil. This memorandum does nothing to change how people who test positive on a drug test for THC, which is the active ingredient in both marijuana and CBD oil, albeit to much lesser extent in CBD oil, this memo does nothing to change how those folks will be treated. So it is, as you say, buyer beware. I say, you know, proceed at your own risk, same thing. But we have seen cases of people who have lost their clearances and their careers because they have taken CBD oil, including folks who have just done it topically. They've taken like a cream that was recommended by a doctor and put it on, you know, their knee or something. And you do that enough and the THC does accumulate in your body. And then if you take a drug test, the onus is on you to disprove that you were not using marijuana. And it's unfortunate. There are, you know, some defenses potentially available, but if it's something that you're thinking about doing, I would really, really advise against it. There are other medications that are prescription and perfectly legitimate that are out there This is just not something that clearance holders ought to be playing around with. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, you know, even the security clearance process aside, your individual agency might have its own rules. Like DOD has its own ban on CBD products. That's a huge pool of the the cleared talent pool. So if your individual agency might have its own rules, which is just shocking because I live not too far from a military base. And there's always the joke about there's just a few things that you find outside of every military base or installation. There's always going to be, you know, a strip club, a pawn shop, a liquor store. And now the CBD things are popping up, which I'm like, are they just trying to get some poor young 18 year old who has no idea that even signed an SF-86, which I've met many of those. Yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, it's in my grocery store. I I can literally walk into my grocery store and buy my milk and bread and a can of CBD oil. So I I understand why people pursue this stuff. And I, and you know, we've had cases where doctors have recommended it. So, you know, when your doctor's telling you, Oh, go get some ointment that has CBD in it to, you know, help your pain. I mean, most people are going to go, okay, yeah. All right. My doctor's not going (laughs) to tell me something that, you know, I shouldn't be doing. There are just really, unfortunately, some very strict rules on this, and the the government policies just haven't really caught up. The changes that are happening are happening faster than the government policy can keep up with. And so as a result, you get these scenarios where somebody has done something you know that they thought was perfectly legitimate, and they get nailed for it. And it's really, really unfortunate, but we've seen this happen now probably a half a dozen times at several different agencies, uh, the Department of Energy, several different IC agencies. As you pointed out, DOD does have a policy against it for service members. Um, There's a ban at the Department of Defense for anybody in uniform on any CBD oil, even stuff that is federally legalized. 
it doesn't apply to civilians, at least as of yet, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I guess I should say last time I checked. But so, you know, you have to really use your due diligence here. What we have had some people find out the hard way is just because CBD oil is within the threshold of being federally legal does not mean that the label on the product is actually accurate. And it does not mean that if you take enough of it, you aren't still going to test positive for THC. On that note, last aspect of the memo was the marijuana investment topic. So the marijuana investment piece. So it's kind of the same thing. I feel like we've had the same guidance, but they're just basically codifying kind of what they've been responding more informally. And that's just saying directly invest in a marijuana business that would certainly qualify for drug involvement. And it's just a lot easier to do with a lot of states legalizing. There are small business investment opportunities that involve drugs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's worth pointing out for our listeners that the adjudicative guidelines that govern security clearance holders, they don't talk about drug use. They talk about drug involvement and drug use is certainly drug involvement, but there are a lot of other ways that you can be involved in illegal drugs. And unfortunately, investing directly in a company that is engaged in marijuana distribution, growth, sales, etc. is one way. Now, doing it within a broadly based index fund that just happens to contain one or two marijuana related investments, not really an issue. But yeah, you got to stay away from those direct investments where, you know, your buddy's opening up a marijuana shop and asks for, uh, you know, 10 grand to to get things off the ground. That's not going to be good. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.